Hello, and welcome to the 9 to 5 CEO podcast. I'm one and a half Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 Landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. Yo, what's good, Zena? What's going on with you? Not much, not much. Just, you know, maintaining. Looking forward to the first, as usual. <laughs> How's things been with you as far as you and your properties? everything's been good um you know the philly properties they're moving along a little bit slower than i would like but you know that's my husband's lane um over here in chicago you know i told you i got a tenant so she's you know she's all settled in and everything actually she texted me and she was like she's going to guatemala for a few for like three weeks um so i was just like okay yeah (laughs) how should you there huh she paying for it and all that? Did she pay her rent? Yeah, she paid her rent. I mean, oh. you know, the, the Christian charity pays her rent, but she was just telling me, I'm going to be gone. Do you need my key or anything like that? I was like, no, <laughs> I got a, I got a spare. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, everybody's all settled in. So finally got over the hump of, you know, the kids stomping upstairs and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So yeah, for the people that's listening that don't know, you know, actually lives in a house hack where she stays what downstairs it's a four-unit building uh-huh. downstairs uh-huh yep and she has new tenants that stay upstairs that i guess it's like a mother and she has what how many two kids three little girls three little girls so yeah and they don't be sitting still so she finally got them under wraps <laughs> dope, dope. Uh, what's going on with you? you just started the job and stuff Oh yeah, I'm back in the nine to five. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, I started a gig about what a week ago, so mm-hmm. you know it's been cool. It's like a little adjustment period as far as just getting used to just being on work time and just focused for nine hours mm-hmm. straight. But you know it's cool. It distracts me from real estate, which is kind of what I think I needed because all I do is wake up and go on Redfin and look at properties and listen to podcasts and go back to properties and read forms. So. I think having that distraction to kind of just focus on something opposite of just real estate, I think it's actually good for me long-term. Okay, that's good. That's good. Just to give an update on my crazy tenant. Um, So a tenant at a three-unit of mine, um, I don't know if I said it, but yeah, earlier she had got into like a domestic situation with her and her husband, which, you know, her husband ended up moving out. And then after that, she began to kind of sabotage like her living circumstances as far as her saying she's not paying her end of the portion because she thought that I was selling the place. So she probably thought that she could kind of get over on me thinking I was going to be out. But then I'm not selling. Mm -hmm. So once she realized that now I'm getting texted, well, are you renewing my lease? Are you doing this and that? She texted me the other day saying, I recalculated my security deposit and this, this. And I think she wants me to give her a premature answer saying what I'm going to do. But one thing I don't do is uh, move off emotions. So, you know, just because she's saying something, she's demanding something as far as me telling her answer. Yeah, and they, I'm not obligated to say that until 90 to 120 days prior to her leave end date. And I'm going to stick to that. Right. Because that's one right. thing you just can't do is kind of get you out of your emotions and have you conversating back and forth. But I'm not even going to allow myself to do that. Exactly. Because then she got the text and she could try to leverage it in some kind of nefarious way. So that's a good idea. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. the conversation for this episode is cash flow versus equity. 
Now, this comes from me listening to another podcast. Can I, should I say the podcast or can they sue us? <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> oh, this is a, uh, a bigger pockets podcast. And they were talking about a bird property, which is a property in which you buy it, you rehab it, you refinance, and then you rent it out. They were talking about a, a guy called in and he was he did that on, I believe, five different single family homes. And on each refinance, he was getting, I think, twenty five dollars to $40,000 as far as what went in his pocket. However, going forward, his properties was only cash flowing $100. And they were saying how that's a great deal. They were saying well, you're taking out twenty five dollars to 40000 every time, tax-free, and you're cash flowing $100. And you had that same money to go put down a new deal. Now, Zena, your face is crazy for the people that ain't watching it on video. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on, you know, somebody being able to burn and cash for a hundred dollars? I I don't understand that whole mindset. I I remember you tell you putting me on to a certain audience that really um applauds that hundred dollar cash flow. And I just don't get it. Like there's so many deals out there where you can be cash flowing a whole lot more and not have the headache because you know just to keep it a bug being a landlord and owning property and stuff like that it, it is a headache especially when you're first starting and you don't have your systems you don't have your big team and it's just you doing everything that could be a lot of work for just a hundred dollars in cash flow that's like you've given yourself another job so okay. the fact that we're talking about about, oh, we want to, you know, have cat, passive cash, um, passive income so we can finally retire from our jobs. It's going to take you like 50 more buildings for you to, you know, or 500 more buildings to even if, if you cash for $100. That's like, you know, you'll never be able to, you know, retire from your job off of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm not with it. I need to cash for at least seven to, you know, $700 or more if I'm going to do a deal, you know, um, a thousand dollars starting is better, but you know, I'll take seven. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'll just donate plasma. Like <laughs> you can do that once a month and make one twenty. <laughs> like cash my hand over the door. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at on that. Um, I think to go deeper though, I think the front line that we send is just like a hundred dollars cash. So we like, wait, what? But I think mm -hmm. they're doing that based off of being worth, I don't know what extra hundred thousand dollars five years from now. Mm -hmm. So I think they're they're banking more on appreciation than they are mm -hmm. cash flow. So I kind of understand it from that standpoint. And one thing I kind of have to realize as well, because you know, when I first heard it, I'm like, well, who wants to have cash flow a hundred dollars a month? That ain't nothing. But then I thought about it, I'm like, well, what if I was well off? You know, if I was already well off, would I be tripping on cash flow as much? Because you know. A thousand dollars a month, as far as cash flow, that is, it won't change our lives. But the positions we was coming from, it's like, oh, okay, that's a that's a great start. You know, this can kind of help incorporate change in my life. But mm -hmm. if you already making twenty to thirty thousand a month, that hundred dollars ain't gonna do nothing either. Is that thousand? So maybe they're looking at it from a different standpoint, as far mm -hmm. as that, from like a tax shelter standpoint. But me personally, I'm not buying nothing where I'm cash flowing hundred dollars a month, fam. Right, right, and then with. With the appreciation, that takes time. You know, I think as investors, especially new investors, the you know, the the thing that you care about the most is the cash flow because that's the thing that's gonna change your life. 
not the appreciation, you know, appreciation is going to come down the road. But right now, when I buy this building right now, I need the cash flow next month. You know what I mean? I need immediate, you know, satisfaction in terms of my opportunity costs, you know, the all the time and effort I put into this. I need it to show up like in short term as opposed to appreciation, which, you know, is something that we 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 like too, but off the gate, it's not it's not giving, you know, what it needs to give. And you know, all that money that you spent and all that private money pipe dealing with private money lenders and stuff like that, it's just like, is it worth it? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think because I'm trying to, I'm trying to go to look at different perspectives of how people do real estate, right? So, like the old me is just like I'm turning it off as soon as they say hundred dollars a door, like and I remember I that. Not, so I'm I'm like, go and just go back to my life, right? But on the other end, I'm kind of trying to do the map. I'm like, well, if you're taking out forty thousand dollars tax free from that property out gate, right? How many years worth of cash flow is that? As far as even if you was making a thousand, right? Right. So when I do it like that, I'm like, okay, if you're taking out twenty five to forty thousand out gate, and then it's a hundred dollars down the line, then is that forty? That twenty five to forty kind of like an advance on your cash flow? Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I like the idea of getting that equity because. You know, those are the plays that I'll be going after um, going forward. But still, you're going to have that day to day well, that month to month activity on that property. And it's just like I'm doing all of this for a thousand dollars a month. Maybe you got some problematic inherited tenants, you know what I mean? Or, you know, you bought the property and you waived inspection. So now you're dealing with some things that you didn't that you didn't know about. It's just like the 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 expenditure of my energy for a hundred dollars month over month. It just doesn't make sense to me, but I get what you're saying about the equity play. Cause it's like, okay, well, I'm taking all the money up front that I would have gotten rentals, probably even more on the front end, you know, so it kind of balances out. I just think mentally my mind would be like, when somebody called me for an issue with the toilet, I'd be like, you know, ain't it to my cash flow this month because it's only a hundred dollars. <laughs> Hey, two of my light bulbs went out. Oh, there go my cash flow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. I tried to fight it, family. I know it don't make sense, man. I don't care what we're talking about. I tried to think about another alternative to where I could. That just don't make sense, man. $100? No, I'm good, fam. It's a lot I can do for $100. Easy. Like I said, go donate plasma, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you said, the that that you know that front end part of it makes a lot of sense. But again, you're taking that money. Typically, most um, most investors they're taking that money and they're putting it into the next project. So it's not. It's like it's so transparent to you. It's not like you're sitting on money. You know what I mean? Like as but opposed you're taking to taking it out to get another property that's gonna cash flow another hundred dollars. That ain't worth it to you. That is bothering me. <laughs> it's bothering me. <laughs> but, you know, different strokes for different folks. You know what I mean? Um, I did, you know, start thinking about pivoting my my um, my strategy and looking for properties that's for sale that has high equity. Um, like I came across a property that has $319 worth of equity. So 
maybe if that one is cash flowing $100, I might not mind as much. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What if you get $200,000 up front, but you cash flow $100 the rest of your life? That's it's, it's crazy. I, I think I would have to go up on the rent, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you, you got to kind of play it both sides because I mean, if I did something like that, I would have to literally pay myself from the equity and consider that cash flow. So like, let's say you do a bird and you mm-hmm. take out $200,000 worth of equity that goes in your pocket. Maybe mm-hmm. I put 80,000 to the side and be like, okay, I'm paying myself cash flow for this property the next yeah. years. That's the only way it could work. Like that's the only way mentally my mind would be able to wrap my, my, my head around a hundred dollars in cash flow. But I'm just wondering how, how is that deal even like, I don't even understand how the numbers would work for a person to only cash flow a hundred dollars. Like, I don't understand. Well, look, there's another thing you got to realize too. When they say a hundred dollars, they're probably talking about all their cap-based expenses. So maybe it's like 400 and they're like property management vacancies, this, mm-hmm. this that, and then it's a hundred dollars. But still, <laughs> I'm just, it's not sitting well in my spirit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do it, so it, it don't sit well with mine either. So, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so I and I know like you're about to do like an equity play on one of your properties, but this is I think it's, you said your primary, right? Or is it the three the three no, it's my primary? Yeah, so your primary that's not like an investment property per se. It's your you know primary residence. So you take money out of that. That is like a really great way for you to you know start scaling. But the expectation is different there as opposed to a rental, you know, or a burr or whatever. So, but yeah, I, I can't wrap my mind around $100. I just can't. I just can't. Because it's like, you. It, to me, I'm just thinking about how many do I have to have of these to replace my salary? You're not trying to, you can't wrap your mind about cash flowing a number that you can find on the ground. Like you can find $100 <laughs> and then you can drop a $100 bill. And the fact that somebody can't do that, it has you like, why am I doing all this for something I can find? Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just <laughs> the expenditure is too much. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it now. Like, what if, you know, when Biden announced the stimulus, it was only $100. You would have been like, man, $100? Keep that. Keep that. <laughs> exactly. Work on Fridays or something like that. So, no, nah, I get it. I get it. Um. But to kind of talk deeper, talk about how like your strategy in real estate has changed over time, like as you got an experience. So what I do, so me and my husband, we work this business together. I have the multifamily in Chicago and the plan was to continue buying three to four unit properties in Chicago, which in the short term, when I first started was a really great idea, but I've learned that there are so many obstacles to the strategy that I had in place um, early on, which was to buy the property with FHA, um, refi out of it after a year, you know, after you um, satisfy the, the FHA own occupancy of one year, and then um, refinance to conventional, then buy another three, buy a three unit with it, right? So the stipulations with FHA is, especially the underwriters, they may not let you buy another four unit they're going to be like why aren't why why isn't your life getting better because they're making the assumption that buying property is going to make your life better so when you buy another property you should be moving up in life so that means you shouldn't be buying a four unit you should buy a three unit which i don't understand the logic of that at all but 
you know, I rock with them. So in order for you to, to, to refinance out of a FHA to conventional, you have to have 20% equity. If you did not buy your property with equity in it, like I didn't because I bought my property at the, at the height of COVID, you know, I, I didn't buy smart. I'll, I'll admit that, but I did buy a cash flow on property still, but, um, so there was no equity in it. And, and, and all of the, the lessons that I took and all the courses, nobody mentioned that you got to have 20% equity in order to refinance into a conventional so you can go for another FHA. So that's where I am right now. I can't even, one, I wouldn't refinance at this high interest rate because my interest rate is 2.7%. That's crazy, right? 2.7%. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Oh. But I don't have 20 Uh-huh. So let me break that down. So, and I, because of your interest rate, right, being so low, you didn't really buy at the top of the market because your payment is the equivalent to buying a discount of building with these today's interest rates. So even though you paid top of the line, your interest rate was so cheap that it's probably the equivalent to getting that building 20% off as far as what your monthly payment would be, but with today's interest rates. But go exactly, ahead. Exactly. Thank you. So Tremaine is the numbers guy. <laughs> I, stuff makes sense to me. Logically, stuff makes sense to him mathematically. So, <laughs> so you know, I learned this because I called my lender. I was like, I'm ready to refinance. I'm ready to buy another property. He was like, well, we would have to do an appraisal, but I can tell you that you may not be at 20% equity. Now, I might just do an appraisal just to see because the building across from me <clears throat> it sold for $50,000 more than I paid for my property. So that might, you know, bump up the number um, just out of curiosity to, to get that appraisal so I can see where I stand. But the fact of the matter is I can't do the play that I was going to do originally, which was buy FHA, refinance out of it, buy another FHA, you know. So um, and then in Philly, we buy single families. We birth single families because there's a lot of single families that's like really great prices, $30,000, stuff like that. And, you know, you get the money. Um, we've been using hard money, <clears throat> fix them up and, and put them on the market for rent. And I told my husband, I was like, this is too much work for these singular properties. I said, we need to go bigger. So the money and the effort that we put into these we could easily put into getting a 20 unit, a 30 unit, you know, so that is the, the strategy going forward. So I was telling you that I'm going to see a property with $300,000 in equity. The reason why is because with this equity, I can take it out and buy the 20 unit because the down payment would be around 20, um, 250,000, which I don't have liquid, which you would need for that type of commercial purchase. So I was telling my husband, we need to be a lot more strategic and really pinpoint what we're trying to do and not just get properties for the sake of getting properties and you know, saying we got cash flow. So um, cash flowing on a 20 unit building is way better than a four unit building, you know? <laughs> Or for single jingles, you know what I mean? So that is the strategy going forward. Mm. No, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, for me, it's my, I ain't gonna lie, my real estate strategies have been all over the place. Like when I first came into the game, my house hack was in like a suburban like neighborhood. So I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm gonna just keep buying properties out here. Mm -hmm. But I kept getting outbeat on them and outbid it. There was people going 20000 over, people going asking, but all cash. So one right. thing I realized, and it was like the point, 
it got to a price point where it's like I redid the numbers and it's like, yo, this don't make sense as far as what I'd be cash for in a month. Mm-hmm. So that kind of pinpointed me to kind of switch out my strategy and kind of just go to like, you know, more rural or like on the north side, which is like the hood. But the cash flows was there. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at now. But at the same time, I don't want to be so cheap that I'm just looking at properties and kind of like the worst zip codes because it's going to be problems that come with that. Yeah. If I just kind of have like an in-between where it's not like the hood, hood, but it's the hood. and But it's not like, you know, it ain't the price point of like the suburban neighborhoods, but it's still a potential equity there. So yeah. I kind of want to have my heads like right between where I might not cash flow crazy, crazy, but I still might get some appreciation, still cash flow decently. So that's right. where I'm at with that. Um, on the second hand, one thing I was thinking about, because like, like you said, the last couple of years, what I've been doing is taking equity out of properties to get another property, the same thing for my lady. And I was just telling her, like, we kind of get to the point where, you know, we're going to either keep having that strategy of buying cheaply and refinancing and hopes to take money out. But then I was telling her, I'm like, well, the money we taking out, that's like the equivalent of doing one house flip. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, damn, if, if I did one house flip, you know, and let's say I, I took home 30 to 40,000, that would alleviate me having to pull out equity out of my properties, which uh, therefore keep my cash flows where they at or increase because of inflation and my net worth would still be there because of the appreciation. And mm-hmm. the fact I didn't take out the appreciation right away out of my properties, you know, because sometimes in real estate, we try to believe, oh, the builder down the street sold for 580, I'm calling my lender tomorrow. You know what I mean? Because we're going to try to get that money out ASAP. But if we had another way to get that same money that we would take out be a flip, would you be as eager to take out equity out of your properties? Or would you be like, you know what? I'm going to keep cash flowing when I'm cash flowing. And that's going to go up 3% every year. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that that is a great strategy as well. Um, the only reason why I'm, I'm not looking to do any flips right now is because everything is just all over the place in terms of construction, mm. even though like they, things I've noticed have slowed down a little bit in Chicago, but still there's still shipping delays there's still issues with wood there's still like a lot of issues in the marketplace where they're gonna the con- the con- um, the contract is gonna pass that those that payment hike on you and it's just like that's gonna eat into my profit and you know if I'm gonna do this I need to cash flow at least 50 to sixty thousand dollars at the minimum because it's such a labor intensive thing like I'm not swinging a hammer myself but managing, making sure people stay on budget, you know, even putting my credit on the line, trying to get like hard money for the loan is just, it's like, a, it's tedious. Like that's, that's the end of it. It's tedious. And, you know, I'm still building my network out here. I only have like one um, contractor that I'm eager to do work with because, you know, I know that he's, you know, honest and he's, you know, going to do good work or whatever, but I think like if you have a team, I know you already have a team because you, you know, you've been doing stuff out in, in Milwaukee, but for me, it's, it, it's not making sense right now. That's why I have to do a different type of play, but the flips is always a bag. Like it's always a good thing. It's just, you know, um, being able to buy low enough and making sure that your team is tight enough to turn a project around quick so you can get it, get it back on the market. But yeah, I, I think that's a dope strategy. But it's so funny because when we first started talking, you was like, I don't want to do no goddamn flips. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's a fact. That's a fact. But I think what's hedging my bet is one, um, the way I would do it wouldn't be traditional. Like what <laughs> I would do, because shout out to my guy Ma, but what he did is he actually bought a property off of auction. 
Mm-hmm. When they bought an alpha auction, it was cosmetic compared to what needed to be done. Mm. So he got something, I think, for 40, probably put maybe 10 into it, kitchen, flooring, paint. And now he got on the market for like 110. Can so, you do a kitchen out there for forty for ten thousand dollars? Right. Wow. So that's, that's what I'm saying. But but one thing is, you know, he had rental properties too, so he already had like that list of people he can go to. He just subbed okay. it out, and that'd be the same thing I would do. I wouldn't have a contractor. I would just sub out jobs. Like, okay, we need this. I got this guy. We need drywall. I'm gonna have this guy. We need this to be retexturized. I got this guy. Paint. I got a guy. Electricity. I got a guy. Plumbing. I got a guy. Right. So, my whole thing would be, as opposed to having one main contractor, I would just sub it out because for the last two years, I've been building contacts and different specialists through, you know, fixes on my rental properties. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we get into it. Um, I don't know if I actually will, but if I do, it'll probably be sometime next summer if I actually push the button on it. But it would have to be like a decent spread for sure to where I got that gap. I don't want it to be close as far as the numbers. And yeah, I, I would just see how it go. But I just think doing one of those, if I make a decent amount, if I make 50 or 60, that will help. That will allow me to just let my portfolio grow and mm-hmm. I'll be able to buy more real estate. And I won't be so pressured to take out equity the minute I get some appreciation in one of my buildings. Exactly. Exactly. But um, so would you hold that property or would you actually sell it? No, I'm selling it. It would You're be, gonna- it would probably be a single family. So I would buy it rehab it a little bit, fix it up, sell it. But what about capital gains tax? Um, well, I have a W-2 job. So it's, it's a hedge around that. There's two things I could do. One, now this is, on, okay, let me just say this because I don't want to be sending a fraud. If I buy a new building that same year, let's say I buy a multifamily, I could do what's called accelerated depreciation where let's say for instance, it was going to be 3,000 a year over 30 years. I can accelerate mm-hmm. that and maybe take, I don't really, I think it's like 75%. Don't quote me on it, but I could take a big amount of that depreciation that year. And then I will offset whatever capital gains happens. That's what happens mm-hmm. sometimes with people where if they have a year where they have high income, they'll mm-hmm. buy a building and they'll just accelerate what the depreciation is. So they'll take a chunk of what the depreciation is that first year, just to alleviate them having a lower tax bill. Mm-hmm. Watch what's due. Then that next year they won't depreciate as much, meaning they'll probably pay a higher tax. But maybe they don't flip a home the next year, or they maybe don't have the higher income the next year. Exactly. That's kind of where my strategy will be. Or right. if push comes to shove and I got that income and it's taxed, I still got to offset a little bit because my jobs with those taxes probably mm-hmm. more than what I'm supposed to, which means I will have a refund until the flip profits come in. So it will offset a little bit. But I'm not mad at having a tax bill because I mean. At worst, I was just going to payment plan monthly, but down the line, that might help me as far as on the self-employee. And when I want to venture out, I'll have a history of making money. Okay, got it. Got it. I just I just thinking about the mitigating the tax that, you know, because capital gains is like, what, 30 percent? Something like that. I I was just wondering if that was something you want to mitigate, maybe hold the property for a year, rent it out and then sell it after a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a method, but um, it's so many ways you can get creative. Because like you said, I got other rental properties where, you know, maybe I have a capital expenditure. Maybe, like I said, I accelerate my depreciation. There's ways you can get around not having to pay the biggest tax. And But like I said, it's all about your strategy, though. Because if I'm right. trying to leave my job in two years, which I'm not, I might want to have that high income outside of my job because they're going to average you out those two years. 
So right. maybe I just split the bill. Okay, cool. I got a high tax bill, but you know, maybe you do an equity play to pay that tax bill off. There's Very stuff true. that's out there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's dope. That's dope. So, um, and then you know, with, with the stuff that you mine on auction, that might have like a lot of equity already built in, you know. So that might be, you know, just icing on the cake, you know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's my whole thing. If um I would have to set things up right though. I have to set things up right. I think opposed to hard money, mm-hmm. what I would do is maybe um, because I know I'm gonna try to get my lady a, a line of credit on one of her properties, and I'm gonna get a line of credit against one of mine. Maybe mm-hmm. use those funds mm-hmm. on top of other credit cards we have as far as to you know Home Depot for supplies, Menards, things of that sort. Um, I have relationships with contractors that I work with as far as plumbers and all that, so I might be able to work it up where it's like. Okay, I'll pay you at this date. I might pay you 10% more, but hopefully by then I'll have the household. Right, right. Okay. That's that's dope. Well, it's it's good that you know you're an accountant because you always thinking about the numbers like constantly. Um, so you know, for the listeners out there, if you buying properties or you're about to get into buying properties, hit up Tremaine so he can set you up correctly for your books so you're not struggling and scrapping around and all that stuff at the end of the year <laughs> oh that's a fact that's a fact so yeah it's it's different hedges and that's kind of one thing i want to go into as well is just like who do you listen to on social media because a lot of times you know when i first started in real estate i started following a lot of people that was in real estate because you know it was motivating but then one thing i found myself doing is i might see a post where it's like this is my biggest wholesale deal. I just made 75,000 and I just flipped the home. I'm taking home 130. So it's like, your strategy changes by the post. It's like, well, damn, should I wholesale? Damn, wholesale ain't bad because I don't got to touch it. I don't need no money, credit. Then you look at it like, well, flipping, flipping is nice because on HGTV, they did, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you control, you know, who you get influenced by or just kind of get thrown off your lane? And how was it for you at first? Like before you bought your building, was your strategies all over the place compared to now? My strategy off the rip was to buy multifamily. I was not interested in buying single family at all um, because to me, it just makes sense to have all my units under the one roof. So if I'm making repairs, I'm doing everything under that one roof, right? Um, I'm not spread out all over town, sending my guys all over because it just makes sense in terms of, energy expenditure, which is something I always talk about. Um, But my husband, you know, in Philly was a different story because um, he was learning about Burr. So I I knew off the rip, I wanted to do multifamily. And then when I learned that I could do bigger multifamily, like commercial multifamily, I was all in with the, with the Burrs, with the single families. um, I think it's, I think it's cool when you first start because if that's the road that you're going to go, you're going to learn a lot real quick because we learn a lot real quick with those four. When I tell you a nightmare is a nightmare, but when you go forward, you're just like, you know, everything is soon. Like, it's like you got super Superman eyes. You're looking at the building like this, 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 this is wrong. And you could, you know, I, you know, say up front if you're going to get it or you're not. Um, but our strategy has changed because it's just like, we're spending too much time on the smaller things that is, you know, um, trying to get the trying to get the um, earnest money, liquidating business credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, let's go for the bigger play. If we're going to do all of this work, let it pay off in a big way. 
instead of piecemealing things together. And with the market turning the way that it did, it's eaten up into a lot of our profit. You know, even even the refinance that we did on our sink on our primary home, it, it fifty thousand dollars got eaten into. So I was just like, oh, we got to figure out another way because the um, with the interest rate being what it is, it's it's just eating into profits in too many different areas. So, but I was just like, oh, I, I saw a post on wholesale, and I was like, oh, I probably could wholesale, but that seemed like too much damn work. I, I'm not even gonna lie, like you gotta be doing all this calling and convincing people. And it's just like, you know, people being rude to you because you reached out to them. It's like, yo, I'm trying to help you. You're about to be foreclosed on. I seen it on PropStream, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I think, you know, you get in where you fit in. Like you said, getting into wholesale and you don't need money or credit. You know, you just get an assignment and you find an, an investor. Um, I know people was eating during the pandemic um, even now, because the wholesalers out here, they're getting like seventy, eighty thousand dollars spreads, and that's like, that's that shouldn't be happening because you're supposed to leave some meat on the bone for the investor, right? But, um, but yeah, my 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 strategy hasn't changed. It, I just want to go bigger. But for the single families, our strategy is changing because we're just finding that with the landlord tenant laws, with you know how. Um, our money is getting eat to, eaten into with inflation and the interest rate. It's just like we got to pivot into a way that's going to make us more money, you know, in those short term plays um, so we can make a, a bigger, a, you know, have a bigger bang in terms of a bigger property, commercial property. But, yeah, um, I don't I wasn't all over the place, but I do like learning about other strategies. Like um, I had took a, a course with someone and they're based out of at Ohio and they buy a lot of single families. And I loved his strategy for him because of the things that he taught me. But I was just like, yeah, that wouldn't really work for me out here because one, the single families that's that cheap aren't in good condition. So I would still have to like put a lot of money into it. And I probably wouldn't cash flow as much because now I've put so much money into that property. So it depends on the region that you're in, you know, the market, it, like all of all of those variables make a really big difference. So you can't just jump into a strategy just because you saw somebody else do it because it might not work in your market. Especially when you got nine to five. Like a lot of times the strategy, the real estate strategies be based on you having your time. It's like, how are you going to make a hundred calls to wholesale when you work at work? You have an office job. When are you going to call a hundred people? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember when we interviewed Eric, Eric from Monopoly Bros, not Eric Jamal. And he was like, he was making calls at work. <laughs> he was like, I was making it happen no matter what. I was cracking up. He's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. But yeah, I just think sometimes um, IG real estate is so pretty. Like whenever I see stuff, it's just like, everybody's just so calm and everything goes good and you know look at this furnished bathroom that we spent thirty thousand on but we gonna make eighty thousand off the flip you know what i mean like, the, the spreads be too pretty and it'd be like you kind of think about that in your life like damn why can my real estate be like that like because it's real real estate exactly, exactly. Real, real estate it ain't pretty you probably won't see a whole bunch of but look what we did before compared to after online because you know i operate real real estate i'm not doing nothing you ain't seen before Right, right. Carpet, and the other thing, picture. You know what I mean? When you first start out, 
you're not going to have the experience that those people that show in their pretty bathrooms had. You know, they they probably got a network that's real deep of wholesalers that's sending them deals pennies on a dollar because they've been in business together for so long. They know they're going to eat because they're going to keep churning the business. When you're first starting out, you don't have really any contacts and you just figuring it out on your own. You hoping that if you hit somebody up on IG on a DM that they answer your question, you know what I mean? And it's just like, you, you can't compare your, your, your situation to their highlight reel because when, like when I got, um, the refrigerator and the stove stolen from one of my properties. I was heated and I never see people talking about that on IG, you know? So everybody in my, my comments is like, yeah, you don't do that. And I'm like, well, if you would have posted about it, I would have right. right. <laughs> Instead of posting about Tulum, man, post about the real that's going on. <laughs> so, you know, I was just like, when I was hella embarrassed, I was like, I must really seem like a newbie if I'm posting this, but it's real. You know, if I'm going to share my story, I'm going to share the good and the bad. And people was just like, you know, some people was like, I'm glad you shared that because people don't be sharing that. And then other people that's been in the business, they'd they be like, yeah, you don't do that. You put the appliances in after the tenants move in. I'm like, well, if you would have said something. Facts. Facts. No, that's how it be. That's how it be. So yeah, my whole thing just be, I don't know. I like to see what others do and I respect it, but sometimes it can really cloud your judgment as far as yeah. what real estate really is. Another yeah. question I had too is like, I, I, I'm cool with Burr investing and I respect it. But one thing I always ask is like, do you all pay yourself from that? Like if you get $200,000 worth of tax-free money, you should be very highly incentivized to pay yourself from that because it's tax-free. Like, I understand the concept of putting it back into real estate, which is tax. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if I'm getting $200,000 of tax-free money, I'm probably paying myself 20% of that. Yeah, yeah. So with, 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 with my husband, he, he pays himself as a GC and he pays himself from the, the Burr. Um, we actually are going through the refinances now. I don't know what's going on with banks, but they are dragging their asses on everything. It's so frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating it's like they waiting for the interest rate to keep going up they like wait a minute wait a minute you know um but yeah so he gets paid on the you know um the gc fee um and he gets paid on the you know the the burr or the refinance so but yeah like you said you should be paying yourself out of these projects because everything can't be sunk back into the next property especially if you're trying to leave your job you have to start establishing income, like you said, for tax purposes, when you want to, you know, just leave your job altogether and not have W-2s, you still want to have to show that your your business had some profit, you know, so they can loan you money in the future. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Because, yeah, yeah, that's one thing I always think about on that. And it's just like the real estate part, like we need to, to make money and pay ourselves. And it's like, that's one of the first things you should do, no matter what deal you're doing, for sure. Exactly. Yep, for sure. So as far as you in real estate goes, what's next for you? What's next for me is I want to lock down a property that has high equity because I need to, I want to pull it out to buy a storage facility in a multifamily unit. The reason why I want to go to storage is since I've had a taste of being a landlord and actually dealing with tenants and repairs and stuff like that, um, storage units is very attractive to me because you don't deal with that. And it's a great asset 
that they have, but I still want to do multifamily, but I have to do it on a bigger scale because to me, it just makes more sense financially. Um, so there, there's a, a building that I have my eyes on. It's, it's a 20 unit. It's 17. It's one, it's uh, $1.7 million. I paid 500,000 for my building. Right. And when I think about the numbers, like 500,000 for this four unit, when I could just get a 20 unit for, you know, a little bit more, not a little bit more, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious, but in my mind, it's just like, it just makes sense to have more units if I'm going to be spending more money, you know, so, um, and, you know, that, that price would come down because, you know, I'm a good negotiator, but just to me, it just makes sense financially to go for the bigger plays. Sorry, some emergency in the hood. <laughs> they going so slow. It's all good. <laughs> it's not an emergency. They going so slow. Um, but yeah, um, the the bigger plays is what I'm after. I want the bigger paycheck. So that's that's what's next for me. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah, what it is for me is um, like I said, I'm working on this equity put on this primary residence. The bank has been slower than molasses because I've been telling them people, yo, I still because what they want is they want two paychecks when you start a job. And I started and I know my second paycheck date. So I hit them back. I'm like, yo, my second paycheck date is on this date. We submitted you this, 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 and that. Is there right. anything else that's outstanding that you will need? So when I process you and give you these two pay stubs that you can't just submit our application. Because what I don't want to do is Friday, I give you this pay stub and then Monday, like, oh, hey, give me this, this, and that. And then Tuesday, give me this, this, and that. And then Wednesday, give me this, this, and that. Like, I'm one, going to be at work and I probably won't have time to give it to you. Exactly. And then two, I don't want to keep doing that. Like, let me get all that to you now. So when the time comes, all I have to do is give you these two pay stubs. We can submit this application and schedule this appraisal. So- yeah. My goal now is to, like I said, do this equity play. I do have some credit card debt. Yes, real estate investors have credit card debt. Um, yep. That stems from me um, improving my triplex that I thought I was going to sell. But mm -hmm. you know, because of this tenant and just me thinking longer term, I'm not going to sell it. So I plan on paying some of that off. I also plan on buying me another property. Mm -hmm. I want to give me another duplex by the end of this year. Maybe I can cash flow maybe like a thousand dollars, and then I'm gonna just uh save, and then I'm gonna kind of just think longer term. I believe sometime, like I said, next spring or summer, mm -hmm. I want to get it to my first flip. Oh, okay. Yeah, that be it has to go you know line by line. Oh, deeper into it. So prior to doing my first flip on that trial place that I was going to sell, I want to have a home equity line of credit. And mm -hmm. I'm going to add a uh, unit on my lady's duplex and she'll get a home line of credit on hers. So hopefully mm -hmm. between those first two line of credits, we can use that to fund a flip when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. So um, anything else like in terms of your real estate business, like any ancillary businesses like project property management or getting your real estate license or doing mortgages? Like, are you thinking about adding anything to your 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 real estate business? Only thing I'm gonna add to is my course. Okay. Yeah, I might add something to my course as far as things I've learned and experienced, but as far as like taking time away and talking to people and doing this and that, yeah, I don't know, fam. I'm not gonna lie. Cause one, being an accountant, 
that's demanding enough. And I don't want to shell myself out so much that I don't have time to actually do my job because my job is a real job. Like you can't be like lazy to it. You got to kind of be like laser focused. So you really will miss something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm makes sense. I'm not doing it to myself this time. I did that last time. I'm trying to do this, that, going live four times a week and all that. I'm doing that. I'm aware. Right, right. When I buy a property, I document it. Hey, y'all, this is how I did it. I don't know how that guru did it. This is what's going on, though. This uh-huh. is you want to learn. I got a course talking about it. But outside of that, man, I'm going to just run it up in real life. Like, I'm going to just look at it like whatever I made from social media, that's just a bonus, but that ain't everything. Right, right. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I, I already talked about what's next for me. I'm, you know, gonna finally drop this course because the webinar really did well. <laughs> I, uh, social media is a whole nother beast by itself, but we'll talk about that in another pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, same thing, just staying focused on, you know, just keeping one foot in front of the other. Um, one of my my downfalls is I want to do everything fast. I want to do everything fast. And I'm learning that one, you got to have your team lined up in order to do that. Everybody got to be aligned on the vision. And then two, you got to be, you got to be capitalized. You know, it's, it's just the name of the game. So working on the business credit and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I'm learning a lot as I go along, but it's still like a really interesting journey for me and it's going to be very profitable. So that's what I keep my eyes on. So I don't get discouraged. <laughs> I, believe it. I believe it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the nine to five CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, AKA nine to five landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, AKA Zena Dixon. Inc. All right, y'all be blessed.